Fixate on Code, episode 11. Alright, Larry Boiser here and you're listening to Fixate on Code, the weekly bite-sized podcast where I talk to the best devs about their favorite strategies for writing great code. And today I'll be chatting to Ruth John. Ruth, how are you today? Hello, Larry. I am good. Happy International Women's Day. (laughs) Thanks and to you too. Ruth loves creating art with code and spreading the love for MIDI. She's also a serial conference speaker, a skilled wielder of the Web Audio API, and leverages her skills as a developer when VJing. If you haven't visited Ruth's code pen and experienced her awesome audiovisual pens, what are you waiting for? Ruth, can you fill in some of the gaps in that intro and tell me a little bit about what you get up to when you're not writing code? That is such an incredible good intro. I I might just steal it all of it. Um, Are there any gaps in particular you need me to fill in? Um, It's very interesting that you mentioned CodePen, actually, because a lot of... So I did CodePen throughout Codevember back in November, um, which meant that I tried to do a pen every single day. I was actually traveling throughout November, so I didn't manage it. I think I managed about 20 um, and actually, they weren't a final product at all. It was a bit, a whole big bunch of experiments around what would work and what wouldn't work, um, and like a journey to see the best techniques to do audio visuals in browsers. And it's it isn't finished. There is uh, probably another code vendor coming this year where I do some more experiments um, around more detailed things and other shiny things because I didn't get to do any work around Canvas or 3D, which is what I really wanted to do. Um, so it's really nice that you should say those things because I look at them and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's not, that's rubbish. That's rubbish. That's not how we do it. But I really, really wanted to illustrate um, the journey which we go on as developers to better ourselves rather than give a final product. I think we see a lot of people do things that are final and brilliant and we can get really intimidated by that so I almost wanted to expose hey this this isn't great um but I'm trying it anyway um and we should all do that um in regards to what else I do (laughs) um what do I do when I'm not writing code (laughs) uh sleeping that's pretty cool uh socializing that's that's cool too um I do quite a lot of craft uh I make things I like to do that. I actually have an Etsy shop um, where I sell the things that I make. Oh, nice. So I'm always, I'm kind of always busy. Wow, that's quite a set of skills you've got there. What were the steps that got you to where you are today? What are you most passionate about as a developer? Um, what I'm most passionate was actually a very difficult thing. Pe- people ask me this a lot. It's a very difficult thing to to pinpoint because it's probably not so much the crux of actually developing. It's probably the creating that I'm most passionate about. Um, And when it comes to like web development, you can take something so simple. You can take something as simple as HTML and you can kind of bring it to life. So it's a bit like if you're drawing, you can, you can just take a pencil and a piece of paper and, and you have something already. And then you have all these, these wonderful other things that are actually relatively simple. So you can add a bit of color with, with CSS. You can just have some felt tips, add a little bit of color, or you can, you can get really extreme with it and have some JavaScript and have all this interactivity. Um, so I think that's probably what I'm most passionate about is it's not the actual code itself. It's more the simplicity of just creating something 
and you can build the learning up to delve deep into the ins and outs of some of the APIs in JavaScript is probably quite complicated. But if you start at the beginning with just some simple HTML, you can really build up your knowledge and build up your skill level. So I think that's like learning is is also another big passion. Um, How I got into it, um, I left university and said that I never wanted to be a computer programmer. Uh, So never say never, I think (laughs) it's how you get into things because you'll probably end up there. I had a bit of a similar experience. I vowed after university never to write code again. And well, here we are today. Now, Ruth, you must have had your fair share of ups and downs. Can you take me to the worst experience you've ever had on a project? Um, <laughs> oh, that is a very hard question. <laughs> Without revealing anything. Well, this is, I think this is the problem. I think, um, obviously, when you work on projects, you come across technical difficulties or problems working uh, where there's a lack of communication either with people working on those projects or clients which make the projects themselves either delivered late and that can cause stress and you get those kind of problems but I think um, and it's probably quite prominent today being International Women's Day being a female in the industry most of your work life can be, I say most, your work life can be a struggle at times. And I think some of the worst projects for me is when you're not taken seriously. Um, And I've had a couple of experiences where that has been extremely prominent. Um, I was leading a project quite a few years ago. And one of my developers actually walked out of a meeting to go and ask um, the tech lead on the team what the requirements were, because he wouldn't listen. He wouldn't even let me speak. Like he just stood up in the meeting and said, I don't know what the requirements are and literally walked out. What? Even though we hadn't even got to the time in the meeting to talk about the requirements. Um, And this actually carried on to the point at which he complained about me for not telling him the requirements. Luckily, I had a very, very good project manager and very good clients who who stood up and backed me up and said she didn't even have a chance to speak. Um, But that's only one example. I mean, this this is an occurrence that happens all the time. I think that's the unfortunate part. And they're probably the worst projects for me. So dealing with things like strict deadlines, stress, um, not communicating with you or lack of communication with requirements for projects when it comes to clients, things like that, that's fine. Oh yeah, that's okay. I can deal with that. Um, but not being listened to and not being taken seriously, that's that's a whole different ballgame, especially in the great wide world of adultness and adulting. <laughs> like, it's difficult it's very difficult and there's a lot of the tech companies that have come into fire recently as a result of discrimination and and imbalances at at all levels in the organization and the consensus seems that people either don't know or they don't acknowledge that there is a problem do you know of any projects that are assisting in addressing any of these imbalances yeah i think that's the i think that's the biggest biggest hurdle actually and even the nicest people that I meet don't address this problem I'm not sure of any actual particular product projects off the top of my head um, but this actually comes up in the community in my area quite a lot and I was sitting down we just started a JavaScript meetup in my city and um, we had a group a sort of undercover slack group before but we just made it official and I was sat down at lunch with them the other day and said oh we probably should put a code of conduct um make an obvious code of conduct for the group and for the Slack channel now that we've made it official. And somebody sitting opposite me immediately went, well, well, why do we need one of those? 
Mm. And obviously then we got into a 10 minute conversation about why we need a code of conduct. And it's not about um, putting forward this idea that people are going to be, uh, are going to make it uh, a sort of toxic environment for anybody else coming in. It's just to make sure if anybody does feel uncomfortable that they can come forward and recognizing that there is a problem. And he was so unaware that this had ever happened. He's like, well, I've never seen a problem. How, how, like, I think people are just making an issue when there isn't one. I've never seen it happen. It's like, because you've never been in it. That's why you've never seen it. And I think that's, that's a huge thing. And there was absolutely like he himself was never going to cause a problem, but he couldn't recognize that there was one. And that's, that, that's a big, that's a big hurdle to overcome. And I suppose that's why something as simple as a code of conduct is important. I mean, most people are fortunate enough not to experience discrimination, but it leaves them blind to the fact that there is actually a problem and and it's that communication that you need to have open. A hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of the people who do recognize and address it are not necessarily the ones that you need to be um, being loud to and... Um, <laughs> kind of making the realization to you and making it apparent to. Uh, so you just you just have to subtly keep keep pushing through, keep mm. keep keep the fight going without trying to be too far the other way where you actually put people off. It's it's a really delicate balance. Yeah, most definitely, and I think it's so easy to end up preaching to the choir too. Now, on a slightly different note. Ruth, which method, tool, or service do you use on a daily basis that you just hate to be without? Um, so mine's mine's really simple. And I think about this quite a lot because this is the second time I've been asked in a month, actually. It's productivity. How do you um how do you get things done? <laughs> um I've just recently started working for myself again after being in a job for uh just over four years. Um and it's the same technique, really. It's a pen and a piece of paper. Uh, I I don't live off lists, but every single morning I just write down what needs to get done that day. Um, and then I can go through it. And I have one sort of main task. So it's usually my development task. What what am I building today? What, um, what project am I working on? Or what talk do I need to write? Or or something like that. What's, what's my main task for that? And you have, I have, Block, I usually have a couple of blocks of time for that, usually one in the morning and one in the afternoon. But there'll be other admin things that you have to do around that, as always. So whether that be stand-ups, checking emails, um, chatting to the community, any any kind of things that might distract you within those times where you're trying to do your block of work, which is important that you don't have those distractions. It's always good for me to set times to be able to do those things so that when I am trying to do my main piece of work, I can do them in the other time. So <clears throat> I just, in the morning, I just write a little list of what I'm going to do with just rough times. By the end of the day, the times have completely gone out the window. Um, <laughs> but it just means I can just sort of go through the list. And it's it's a nice little thing to be able to tick things off as well, because it feels like you're actually doing things. And I think that keeps you more productive. So I don't really have any one golden nugget of oh, there's this one tool and it's amazing. You should definitely use it because it's mm. going to make you a thousand times more productive. <laughs> um, it's literally just a pen and piece of paper. 
<laughs> That's so awesome to hear. I think uh, pen and paper is one of my favorite underrated technologies. Now, Ruth, you're doing a lot of work with the Web Audio API and WebGL. In terms of new projects, libraries, and frameworks, what are you most excited about at the moment? Oh, that is a good question. Um, I think a lot of communities that I'm in are very excited at the moment about WebGL and VR. I'm I'm excited about things like audio workers. So this is web workers for the audio API, which are on the roadmap and they have been on the roadmap for a while. Um, I probably should be more clued up as to if we have an expected date for them. <laughs> so processing that will happen um, in little workers in the background. So you can take that away from the from the UI. How are audio workers going to change things once they get implemented? Um, honestly, because we don't have them and I haven't played with them. Um, it's kind of almost beyond remit of what I understand. Um, there's a script processing node in the audio API, which from what I understand, um, you create your own nodes and it does a lot of work for you. Um, and that obviously happens as you're writing your code now. And then this will be replaced with a worker where you can take that off. Um, I need to do some work with web workers for me to get my head around it. I've been saying this for probably about six months. I'm not like, how, <laughs> this is like dark magic. How does this do this thing over here where you've got this going on over here? I'm, I don't know. This is crazy. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, um, it's difficult to explain in a podcast. <laughs> I'll write a blog post. I'll look forward to it. <laughs> So with all the new languages and libraries that are coming out, how do you decide what to learn and when do you make time to learn? Um, I don't, I think is the answer. And this is, this is one of the things I would be excited about new things coming out if I felt that I was on top of the new things that had come out, which I'm not. There's a few legacy things, which when I say legacy things, there's a few things in my backlog, which I have been meaning to play with and meaning to try for a while. Um, it is tricky to filter out what to learn and what not to learn. Um, and the only way that I've managed it is what I feel get, excites me personally. So I don't necessarily spend a lot of time learning frameworks, um, which would probably benefit my job, but I'd much rather um, do some WebGL. So I'll go and learn that. So I do it via personal preference, um, which may or may not be the right way. Uh, I read a lot. So rather than sit down and spend a lot of time learning, I scan read a lot of things that, that are coming through so I can filter them that way first. Um, so I can actually be aware of them. So if they come around again and they feel like they're not just something that's coming in and they'll be gone again in a couple of months, if they if I'm seeing them like four or five times a year, I'll be like, OK, this is something that's, that's going to be here and it's here to stay. Then I can actually put some time into learning it if, that, if I feel like it's going to benefit um, it is tricky. There's so much information and there's so many different things. And because something like JavaScript is so broad now, um, it is very tricky to figure out which parts of it you want and which parts of it you don't and what to go in and learn. Sometimes I don't know where to start. How would one approach learning a new technology like the, like the Web Audio API? Would a library on top of the API be a good idea rather than learning from the ground up? Um, I certainly like to do that. It's a bit like, um, there's four or five really, really good audio 
API libraries. Um, I was actually looking at a couple of them this week because I'm doing a talk on Friday um, and it's actually directed at web game development. I'm not a web web game developer, Um, but there's some really nice ones for web games. Um, But it's nice to uh, look at how people have structured those, knowing how the audio API works itself. Um, And I always feel like that's where I always want to begin rather than just putting libraries on, on top of things without understanding where, where they're coming from. Is there a specific aspect about programming that has dramatically changed the way that you think about and write code? Um, I, I'm a terrible developer. Um, <laughs> I, I write terrible code. Uh, I think, and I think this is probably one of the things that I'm concentrating on now is um, leveling up and structuring my code in a better way because I don't have a very good testimonial for one or two things that I've learned to do this better. I think it really is just that. It is just learning from the ground up. Um, I'm glad of the community to help me out when I feel like mm-hmm. uh, they, like I'm not doing something in the best way. Um, that's probably the best tool in my belt right now. I'd never really engaged in any sort of mentorship before, and I've recently made some of my biggest breakthroughs as a result of it. And with that, we've come to the end of our first segment. Ruth, I'm about to throw some quickfire questions your way. Let's do this. Okay. What is the best advice about programming you've ever received? Uh, We all write bad code. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Just carry on. <laughs> Which personal habits do you attribute to writing better code? Uh, I would say determination, but I think I'm just stubborn. <laughs> stubborn <laughs> determination. That works. If you could recommend <laughs> one book on programming, what would it be and why? Um, I don't actually read a lot of books, which is bad. Uh, Peter Pan. Uh, someone <laughs> said recently, uh, <laughs> like, take a break. Read, read a book. Someone said recently, Alice in Wonderland is actually a programming book. Like, really? That's interesting. When I was younger, I did read Andy Clark's hard-boiled web design. That really helped. Um, at the moment, Adi Osami's uh, JS design patterns is getting me through a lot of things. Yes, it's such a great resource for really expanding your tool belt. Yes. Who in the front-end world is doing work that's really inspiring? Um, I can't start a list because there's too many people, I would never end. I would never end it. Uh, there are so <laughs> many people, and I, like I say, I'm very, very glad of the community. If you if you pick the right people around you, um, it can only inspire you. You just have to start, and people would would just start inspiring you. Uh, my dad, your dad, <laughs> <laughs> in the front end world. Wow, so it runs in the family. Well, he's he. I'm I'm influencing him. He'll be he'll be writing JavaScript soon. It's fine. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right, Ruth. Imagine you wake up and you have no recollection of ever writing code. With the tools, books, and courses available today, how would you go about learning to program from scratch? Um, that would absolutely be a nightmare. I can't imagine doing that. Um, I teach on <laughs> a developer course. Actually, it's one of the three-month intensive developer courses, which we 
um, try and give to people who adults that either want to go into university. University costs a lot of money in the UK now, so it's not necessarily the best option for people. Um, and we try to give them a really broad range, but intensive range of skills over those three months um, and then put them into work placements afterwards to give them the um, remit to go into like a junior developer job afterwards. Uh, so that I think I'd probably go and do something like that because it gives you a good knowledge base of all the different jobs that you could have, plus the actual knowledge to do them. Um, it's probably not going to get you to the level that I'm at now, but it's definitely good grounding. It'll definitely be a, a really good stepping stone. So let's wrap things up today with a top tip on how to work smart, the best way to connect with you, and then we'll say goodbye. Um, don't beat yourself up. Relax. Um, I'm incredibly hard on myself sometimes because I haven't done a thing or I'm not good enough. Um, and more recently, especially in the past year, I've just told myself to relax. It doesn't matter. You just have to keep making things. That's the important thing. Uh, if you need to get in touch, Twitter, I'm at Rumira. So tweet me. To everyone out there, you've been hanging with Ruth John and Larry Boerter. Head over to fixate.it where you'll find links and timestamps for everything we've been talking about today. And of course, head over to Ruth's CodePin, codepin.com slash Rumira to get your dose of audiovisual and programming inspiration. And Ruth, thank you for sharing your journey with Fixate on Code today. Keep pushing the limits and keep pushing great code. 